Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Wednesday morning, the 5th of June. Good morning with much debate and a discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The President of the United States will fly into Shannon Airport this afternoon. Donald Trump's visit is dominating the news agenda while the President of Ireland is bringing our attention to people who have been abandoned in society to become prey to xenophobes, homophobes and racists. Michael D. Higgins was critical of American multinationals and Irish government policy facilitating tax avoidance and also how these companies are offering some of the worst work practices of the 19th century. The President's speech to the Federation of Public Service Unions yesterday was most critical of the American President's policy on climate change, describing it as regressive and pernicious. While the EU has a set of binding emissions targets for 2020, and 2030, he said we must now plan for full decarbonisation of our European economies by 2050, encouraging the rest of the world to follow suit and urging in the strongest possible terms the USA to reconsider its regressive and pernicious decision to leave the Global Paris Agreement. Meanwhile, staff at the Trump International Hotel and Golf Club are preparing for the President's arrival to Dunbeg and the West is awake with excitement this morning. Let's go there. Peter O'Connell is the editor with the Clare Champion. He's on the line. Good morning to you, Peter, and thanks for joining us today. I take it there's only one topic of conversation where you are. Uh, morning, Michael. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whether, whether people like or, or don't, particularly like Donald Trump, uh, he's, he's definitely all the talk here in West Clare. Um, massive security operation, Michael. Uh, over a thousand guardy on duty. Uh, you literally can't drive for more than a couple of miles in in particular pockets of West Clare without meeting a guardy checkpoint, um, and you have to particularly uh, close to the resort in the big. You have to prove who you are. You know, even if you're a long-term resident of I don't know forty, fifty years, you have to have your ID on you and show exactly who you are. You have to have proof of address. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So ma- ma- massive security. Um, and is it causing pe- pe- people some problems uh, in terms of moving around? Uh, because Gardaí have issued advice uh, to students who are sitting exams to leave early today and uh, expect delays. 
Yeah, I think I, I aside from the leaving their students facing the the biggest day of their of, of their lives, uh, possibly certainly a, ma- a massive day, the, the first day of, of the leaving cert, uh, the junior cert as well. Uh, probably it is causing a bit of a problem for for some students. There, there are some students in Dunbeg who have to uh, go twenty minutes out of their way, you know, on a, on a diversion uh, to go to a nearby school in a place called Kilmahill. Um, so, yeah, definitely there there, there are some, some students, but aside from the students, I mean, I, I think everybody else is just accepting that, uh, you know, that this is what happens when the President of the United States visits. And as as you know, uh, in Dunbeg itself, um, nobody, nobody is questioning Donald Trump. You know, they, they look on him as... A significant local empire, or at least his family, you know. But obviously, mm. outside of Dunbeg, and there are a lot of people in Clare, uh, you know, who would have serious issues with his, his various stances, um, whether it be on on women, on uh, you know what he's had to say as regards ethnic minorities, um, the Muslim community. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and locally, uh, there has been some controversy, has there not, uh, because of uh, the construction of uh, a coastal defence to protect the golf course? Yeah, this is a, a, a long running uh, saga. Just as Michael, uh, back in 2014, shortly after the Trumps uh, purchased Dunbeg, uh, there was a very serious storm and the golf course itself was closed down for about eight months. Um, Basically, they have applied to uh, Clare County Council's uh, management, resort management at Dunbeg for uh, permission to build coastal protection works. Now, they actually tried to start building coastal protection works without, without planning permission initially, but uh, Clare County Council intervened at that back in 2014. Um, since then, it's gone to Clare County Council, it's gone to Umbor Panola, and it's gone back to Clare County Council again, so it's, it still hasn't been resolved. There, are different, there definitely are issues, uh, Michael, as regards... Um, Coastal protection on Duckmore Beach, which adjoins the resort. Um, you know, even even local farmers, uh, for example, have had their land adversely affected with regular bouts of flooding and, and things like that. But there's no doubt about it. There is quite an, iron, an irony, given that one of the reasons given by uh, the, the Trump family uh, in their application to Clare County Council, uh, one of the reasons given, uh, for, you know, for, for for the need for coastal protection works was climate change that was referred to in the application to Care County Council and as we know Donald Trump is uh, a denier of climate change so there's a bit of a bit of a, an irony there I suppose I suppose there is and we'll hear lots more uh, about uh, some of uh, the contentious issues uh, that uh, Donald Trump uh, seems uh, to bring into public discourse all of uh, the time later in the programme today. But I I take it that it's a a fabulous golf course and a palatial hotel. I understand it's in around €20,000 to join the golf club. Yeah, we want plenty of money, Michael, to to join Dunbeg, uh, or plenty of money to play there, to to eat there. It's it's look, it's it's an absolutely fantastic uh, setting. It's um, it's located in, in a beautiful area of West Clare, um, but it is quite expensive. So um, definitely, if you if you have the money, it's not a problem. Uh, but look, I suppose mm. the, the big thing, Michael, from from a local point of view, is the fact that it does employ so many people. Uh, even personally, I know a lot of people working there, and you know, they are the biggest employers in, in West Clare. Uh, it used to be Money Point Power Station, but they've, you know, shed a lot of um, employees over, over the years. Um, so there, there is that paradox, I suppose. You know, people have issues with Donald Trump, the president, but locally 
they, they definitely don't have issues with, with the Trump family as, as, as regards being employers. And I imagine people will hope he, he'll get to play his round of golf tomorrow so that the golf course is showcased and uh, I gather that a lot of that hinges on the weather. The weather's quite good there today in comparison to yesterday, is it Peter? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very close now to Dumbeg at the moment and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite nice. It's uh, a normal Irish uh, June day, a bit breezy, a bit sunny, uh, there's a few clouds you know, so bit of a bit of a mixture. Um, mm. So I'd say, eventually, when he does land in Dunbeg l- later on uh, this evening, President Trump would probably get uh, the usual kind of four seasons in 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 maybe one hour uh, type <laughs> of West Clare climate. Uh, plenty, uh, a lovely biting breeze com- coming in off the Atlantic as well. You know, so if if he's tired after his three days in the UK, I, uh, that, that salty breeze will. It'll wake him up fairly, fairly quickly. And when Mr. Trump is up in uh, the big house, uh, if you like, uh, the people of the village uh, will be celebrating. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, events planned, uh, a bit of a music festival taking place. Mm. Uh, and of course, uh, there's stars and stripes everywhere. Yeah, Dunbeg is festooned with, with, with flags. And, uh, you know, look, Dunbeg is such a small place, Michael. This mm. is, uh, I suppose, this probably needs to be stressed as well. There's... There's one and a half streets in Dunbeg. You know, it's a very, very small village. You've got, uh, I think it's four pubs. You've got two restaurants. And that's kind of it. Like, Dunbeg doesn't even have a post office. The post office was closed last last October. And while that might only seem a small little thing, that, that kind of, I think, illustrates the frustration of people in, in, area, in peripheral rural areas where, you know, they are losing services like post offices, like guard stations. Uh, here, then, you have a massive employer. Mm. Uh, and... You know, people kind of think, well, this family are employing and keeping a lot of people in in, in the region, in the in the area. Um, so that that's the main reason why they're they're ma- making him feel feel welcome. Uh, and what did you say, Peter? Four pubs. Yeah, I think it's four pubs. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So four, four, four nice pubs, in fairness. Yeah, because uh, I'm, so. I'm reading in some of the papers this morning that it hadn't been expected that people would see him in the village, but there now may be a window of opportunity on Friday morning at some stage, and he might venture out, and he might go into one of those four pubs. Yeah, he well, he, he, does, he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink, Michael. Mm. So, uh, but, of course... You don't have to drink to go into a pub, so it's it's very likely that uh, that that he will. And um, there's no doubt about it. But that the the various publicans, if they see him um, landing in, will will make him very very welcome. Um, you've got uh, Tuberties, Madigans, uh, Igos, and uh, and Morrissey's. So he's got a he's, he's got a good selection of pubs. Uh, if he, if he wants to to drop in for a for a prob- probably a soft, it'd be quite a story, Michael. If he if he if he breaks out and, and starts uh, drinking. Uh, in in Dunbeg, you know, the, I think mm. that would probably be the biggest story of of the entire visit if he if he if he starts to drink. But uh, that's probably probably unlikely. Uh, and are people looking at the big guard presence uh, that you spoke about? You said you can hardly go from one corner to the next or from one tree to the next uh, without coming across a member of Angarda Shia Connor. Are they looking at that in the context of how local guard stations are closing down and people are feeling isolated in rural Ireland? Um, I, I, I don't think they're looking at it that way, but uh, I think probably people will might look at us uh, slightly differently when, when we hear what, what the bill is. I mean, the reported figure, uh, security-wise, is mm. in around €10 million. Euro. Uh, you have over, over a 1,000 guards on duty. But like, no, this is between Limerick, Shannon, and, 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 the, rest, and the rest of Clare, so it's, it's quite, quite a big area. Massive, massive security presence 
going to cost a lot. Is is it worth that much? You know, uh, people in Dunbeg would say it is. Because, you know, their, their, their thing is goes back to the jobs. They're saying, look, they feel the Irish government isn't sufficiently investing in rural Ireland. As regards, uh, you know, I mean, there isn't a Garda station mm. in Dunbeg. Uh, they're, they're, that's another, I suppose, factor. Uh, there used to be, but it closed down there about about four years ago. Um, so definitely... You know, I think it's, it's I think it's a good time to make. You have suddenly a massive guard of presence uh, for three or four days, um, but by by this time next week, it'll be back to it'll be back to normal. Um, you know, a lot of guardy mm. d- doing their best, but but not many guardy. You know, and um, a lot of these small substations have closed. Um, like the force, as it has been around the country, has been kind of centralised in particular areas. I mean, the close to, close to uh, Dunbeg, the biggest town is Kilrush, and, that, and that's where the the main guard station is. For the entire West and North Clare region, you know, from Newped mm. right up to to the Burn in North Clare, which is an absolutely massive um, span span of coastline. Um, so, I, th- I, th- I think people, you know, the uh, will we, we, we'll think about the point you made, but at the same time, I think they understand as well that you know the, the Irish state probably has to do its best to make sure that. Uh, President Trump has a, a, a safe visit while he's in the country. Uh, and uh, hence uh, the high level of security. Security on the ground, security in the sky, no doubt, and security in the sea. The Naval Service has uh, two of its vessels, uh, the LE Neve and the LE Ethna, in close proximity. Yeah, and uh, in, in Duckmore Bay itself, you have uh, you have a warship uh, um, Dunbeg. Uh, this is the American uh, nuclear submarine, is it? Or <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the resort itself then is is a no-fly zone as well. Um, we we actually had some photos um, on, on the Terra Champions social media platforms over the last couple of days of one of the one of the aircrafts landing at Shannon and. Uh, it, it, it was absolutely massive. I'm, I'm not an expert, Michael, mm. on on um, airplanes, but I just know that this one was absolutely massive. There's over 600 people in this delegation as well. That's that's the other thing. Um, every single source of accommodation in West Clare is, is booked out. Um, as far as Innes up up to North Clare, you've got obviously all, all the Gardaí who've been who've been brought in for for this. They're working 18 hours a day. Yep. They need some, somewhere to stay, and uh, then you have this delegation of 600 people as well so look I suppose in the short term there's a bit of a boom over the next few days in Westler um, so you know definitely the you know restaurants uh, probably the pubs maybe and uh, definitely accommodation providers will um, will probably enjoy the next few days they're absolutely uh, packed are, are people critical at all of uh, the Taoiseach not travelling to Dunbeg he'll meet uh, with Mr Trump at Shannon Airport this afternoon yeah, I think I think locally people are disappointed that that he didn't, you know. But probably, you know, the only people probably disappointed with that are people in in Dunbeg itself. Mm. You know, they feel look, uh, he's providing all, or the Trump family are providing all these jobs that should be respected. Um, and they're saying, look, you know, if the Irish government was doing a bit more for areas like, like West Clare, well, then um, maybe there wouldn't be need for the for you know massive employers to come in from from abroad and and to have such significance, but. I suppose the optics and the Taoiseach's point of view probably wouldn't look too good if he was you know to come to uh, literally the house owned by mm. or the the resort owned by um the President of America, you know, it, the, mm. the optics mightn't be great, so I suppose uh, and uh, no doubt, probably more neutral ground. No doubt we'll hear from uh, the President and uh, the Taoiseach in Shannon. Will there be a media opportunity in doing bag with Mr Trump? Not sure about that. Uh, it's 
there, that hasn't been confirmed. We're, we're, we're hoping there will be, but uh, no, nothing definite yet. I have to say, on, on previous visits, um, the Trumps, generally speaking, have been quite quite accessible to the media, uh, particularly local media. No, we haven't had any confirmation yet as to if that will be the case this time. You know, uh, definitely there will be media opportunities today um, at, at the airport. But as for Dunbeg, it's I, I just don't know yet, Mike. Okay, well, it'll be an exciting day, I'm sure, Peter. I'm sure it'll be a controversial day for that matter. But thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning uh, and uh, for that overview of how it feels in the west of Ireland uh, this morning. Peter O'Connell, the editor of The Clare Champion. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, we've been reading some of uh, the letters uh, that were published in the Irish Examiner yesterday to you on uh, the programme over uh, the last uh, couple of uh, days. And uh, I'd like to read another one of uh, those for you now. This is uh, from Sarah Louise Mulligan, Chief Executive Officer of Irish Who Love, President Trump. Com. And uh, to mark uh, the arrival of uh, the President, she says, Dear Mr. President, I would like to welcome you to Ireland on behalf of all your Irish supporters. I am the Chief Executive Officer of www.irishwholovepresidenttrump.com. I wanted you to know that you have the support of the Irish behind you, despite the fake news that is published daily. That's why I created the website. I wanted you uh, to be informed of all the good that you do and how that's appreciated. You've changed my life and have awakened to the political side in me that I never thought I had. Watching you from afar has inspired me to run as a presidential candidate and recently I just ran for the local elections in my area at Last Nevin, which means stream of the infants. Thank you so much for being a strong pro-life voice and because of your stance on pro-life issues you can be guaranteed you have the support of Irish pro-life communities right behind you. I really hope I get to welcome you to Ireland in person on the 5th of June. Lots of love from Sarah Louise Mulligan. Well, the President has stirred up some emotion and caused different reactions from people who have different ideas about the visit here. Ross Leahy has been out and about for LMFM and asking local people if they think that if Mr Trump should have been invited here. I shall let him. So what harm can he do? What harm can he do? Can we do business with him? Of course. Why not? I don't really like him, so I don't. Mm. No. He's not a very nice person. But still, it'd be good for the country. Like, it'd get a bit of tourists and everything coming into it. I don't want him to come. He's an idiot. No, he's an idiot. That's it. Plain and simple. He can't control himself for nothing, you know? Mm. Mm. Like, he's, he's on Twitter every night. Like, I don't like this. I don't like that. Mm. I don't like this. He's, he's a bloody idiot. You know, I get every president has their opinions, but sometimes just keep it to yourself, you know. That's all you have to do. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I'd support him a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Would you, Faith? No, I've only met him. Yeah, I think he's a wonderful man. Yeah, he um, he does an awful lot for the western end of the world. And good luck to him. One of our own. I just say, just let him come. Welcome him in. Um... I think it's, it's probably not a bad thing. It's you know he's doing plenty over there and uh, for that for that town and that kind of thing. And he's putting a few bob into the country. So at the end of the day, I know some people think his opinions and that is wrong, and some people think they're right. But that's kind of just uh, kind of just go with what you think, isn't it? Like the American president. So you have to welcome him. You know, same as our president go over to America. So why not? 
Well, myself personally, I think he's he's doing a good job for the people in America because he said what he was going to do and he's done it. And the people that still vote for him in America are the ones that did vote for him. So I have no qualms with him coming here. He's the president. I mean, it's the office yet that it's the office about the man. Everybody has a different opinion. But the office of the American president, we can't afford not to be really pally with them. You know, turning the carpet out for him. I don't really like him. I don't think anyone's going to be too happy about that. I mean, he's prim- primarily coming here for the golf, I'd imagine, is he? That's really it. It's not really a, a state visit. It's just he wants to play a few rounds in Dunbeg. That's it. I think if it brings jobs to the country, it would be a good thing. I know a lot of people don't like him, but we rely on the like of him to get us jobs in this country, and that's what we really need. So I have no problem with him coming if there's something that we're going to get out of it, you know what I mean? don't particularly like the man but you know politics is politics and you know that's where I feel yeah bad idea I think it's all a farce really how come um, just because it's just the way he goes on with his tweets and all that and you know he's not like most most people in America don't really like him either so I just I, I saw him there with the Queen yesterday on Sky News and it just looked like a big farce yeah, um, well, I wouldn't be a fan of Donald Trump, and I don't think he should come here because of his views on uh, on different minorities, of like people that live here in Ireland, and we shouldn't be supporting. If we like said that no to a preacher, uh, American preacher coming over, I feel like we should be, still be able to say no to Donald Trump, even though he is the president. I always think it's good when kind of people from America that come over, because obviously we have a lot of business deals going on with American companies and that. But um, to be honest, I. I think though kind of with the political landscape kind of in western countries especially i think he's, it's only here to cause trouble to be honest like personally i think in two years if he's out it's probably a good thing it'll because when we had obama it, like you weren't getting these crazy tweets like i think that a, a president is meant to be a global leader welcome to ireland mr trump <laughs> Mixed views there and some very strong views at that. And uh, thanks to everybody for sharing their opinions with Ross Leahy for us. Now, Wednesday morning, so the local newspapers are with us uh, this morning. Marie Kearns is here with what it says on uh, the front pages. And good and morning Trump, to you, Trump Marie. Trump is not making the headlines. Not yet, <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll start in Drogheda with the Drogheda Leader. Yes, crime plummets in town is the lead story of the Drogheda Leader as the paper reports that the number of burglars in Drogheda has dropped by 40% compared to the same period last year. The stats are being attributed to Operation Stratus. Superintendent Andrew Waters hailed the figures saying he wanted the public to be assured that Drogheda was safe and getting safer, adding we have the criminals under constant pressure. What an amazing turnaround. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was it not just a, a month ago that the same newspaper was reporting Drogheda to be the second most dangerous place in the world? That's right. Very That's good. right. Yeah. But mm. obviously, this these figures show Stratus, that is yeah. working. Mm. Is working. Okay. Yeah, we'll stay in uh, Drogheda, the Drogheda Independent this time, and uh, an appeal for uh, help uh, from a local support group. That's right. Um, the Drogheda Alzheimer's Support Group, Michael, are going to be homeless in 2020 when the present base on the Dunor Road closes, which means the pressure is on to get their state-of-the-art new centre at Green Hills open. They have been. Actively fundraising for this. However, there is a shortfall between 
150,000 to 300,000 and basically they're sending a message to the people of the greater Drogheda area to help us. Okay, very good. Yesterday on the programme, Gardaí, we're appealing for anyone who may have witnessed yes. a hit and run in Dundalk and that makes for the front page of the Democrat this that, week. That's right. Uh, the Gardaí in the story have described the incident as a deliberate act of endangerment. Meanwhile, I have to give a mention, like mm. to a story on the inside of the paper, a special mention to nine-year-old Brendan Carthy, who emptied his piggy bank of his communion money, his birthday money, basically all the money he'd saved, including his pocket money, so he could help Dundalk Dog Rescue as they fundraise for the new pre- premises. And he gave... €570 in total, so well done to him. Well done, most generous. Uh, We go to the Argus in Dundalk and that hit and run makes news there as well. That's right. And inside there's a great feature on pages 10 and 11. As Hollywood came to Carlingford last week, locals rolled out the red carpet for the cast and crew for the movie, There You'll Find Me, which Margaret Roddy reports is set to put Carlingford on the international map when the film hits the cinemas next year. So plenty of excitement over that. Okay, and uh, the Meath Chronicle then uh, leads with a story from Bettystown Beach. That's right. This is the story that uh, about that attempted land grab at the edge of the beach, which makes the front page of the Chronicle. And the pa- the front page also features a super picture of former Meath All Ireland final winner Tom O'Brien on the occasion of his ninetieth birthday and still showing how it's done with a football, Michael. Meanwhile, as the dust settles on the local elections, thoughts are now turning to who will take control of the actual councils. And there's a really interesting piece by Anne Casey on page 12 in relation to possible packs on Meath County Council. OK, I'm sure it's all possible at this stage, <laughs> uh, but uh, I've no doubt uh, that in time we'll be hearing all about it. But thanks uh, for that, uh, Marie, and uh, some interesting stories there from the local papers, as always, uh, this week and perhaps uh, people want to comment on them uh, they can make contact with you now if they do or if there's something else uh, people have been listening to that they want to make comment on or if there is an issue that you'd like to raise with us as always we'd love to hear from you Marie will be back uh, around uh, 10 o'clock with uh, some of uh, those comments if you want to give her or Maggie a call now our telephone number is 1850-715-958 Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, back uh, to domestic issues and uh, the costs of rolling out uh, the national broadband plan. An estimated €3 billion Euro of state investment is expected and uh, this is of concern to Fianna Fáil TD in Louth, Declan Bratnock, who's fearful about how these costs are rising. And a very good morning to you, and thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. This has the support of Fianna Fáil, though, does it not? Uh, absolutely, we do support the rollout of uh, the National Broadband Plan, Michael, but um, I think what happened on the 7th of May in, in uh, the rushed announcement um, uh, to announce the plan, um, Fine Gael are offering a plan to a third of your homes It'll take three times as long uh, to deliver it for six times the original price. Uh, and on top of that, the most disconcerting aspect of it. Well, they're, they're, they're just when you say it's heard fewer homes, when you say they're, they're, they're promising that uh, there'll be high-speed broadband in every premises in the country. Uh, they are doing that. It will take seven years uh, more to deliver that. And my concern, and indeed the concern I'm sure of your listeners out there, uh, many people are living in towns, you know, are quite satisfied with the level and degree of uh, broadband coverage they have. But uh, 
and we all know the 74% of the country is covered by it, but my concern is the 26%, uh, particularly those living in small villages and uh, the rural areas of not just County Loud, but indeed right across the country, that 26% who could be waiting up to seven years for delivery of it. And nothing has changed since the 7th of May. Uh, it was purely uh, a publicity stunt, uh, followed by deep concerns by uh, the Department for Public Enterprise and Reform mm. in relation to... Uh, it's well, they more or less said it's madness, but uh, it continues to have the support of Fianna Fáil. Uh, it does in this respect, uh, that, uh, and indeed I understand the Iraq's uh, Communication Committee are meeting on this whole issue today, which I'm not a member, mm. but certainly my concern more recently, Michael, which has obviously brought, been brought to your attention, has been a series of questions that I've asked in terms of what it ultimately will cost the person who's waiting on the supply. And uh, the questions that I've been asking, for example, is we, you know, when uh, when fibre broadband was being announced, uh, people were being offered pigs in a poke. You know, you have people coming to houses saying, we'll install this mm. for 50 euro, uh, and, and that's all it could cost you. Uh, and they were magicking uh, the, the high fibre into the houses. The reality is uh, the large swathes of, of, of difficult areas uh, cannot be supplied. Uh, in addition to that, even if the supply is within a close proximity, say on a public road to their property, the reality is that there is major ducting in a lot of cases to be supplied and indeed mm. additional poles. Uh, and so, it will be supplied, won't it? Uh, and I mean, I think Sean Fleming, uh, who is uh, the chair of the Public Accounts Committee of Fianna Fáil TD in Leash, has said that this could end up costing the taxpayer forty forty five thousand €45,000 to connect individual homes uh, Absolutely and I mean I've had first hand experience of this with people uh, coming to my constituency office the reality is that it's the third biggest uh, ticket issue uh, in my office daily housing obviously being number one health mm. and uh, the unavailability of broadband your listeners out there who are experiencing what I'm experiencing is you know, whether you're a farmer whether you're a student uh, living in the countryside uh, the government and it's already said that we supported our committing to delivering uh, the broadband but my concern is that uh, and I've asked this question what is the cost per linear metre where you have to remember Michael in the last 20 years an awful lot of rural one-off housing uh, did not even put in uh, an outcome supply because mm. people were quite happy with you know, in the main with our, with our uh, mobile phone coverage. So well, that's why it'll be so expensive uh, to connect each individual house because not everybody is going to want it. Absolutely, and we're told by, by the replies to the questions I put that 99% of premises are within 150 metres or less of the supply. But when I've asked the question, what is the cost mm. per linear metre after that, uh, we're told it's sensitive information uh, and uh, it can't uh, be supplied because it would interfere in, 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 in the process in terms of the procurement. Now, my, con- my big concern here is, and this is where Fianna Fáil differ from, from, from Fine Gael, uh, is that we have got to insist on the utilisation of what I believe is, is in connected to every house uh, unless you're still living in the dark ages for want of a better word is the ESB network. Yeah, well you're going um, back to the drawing board there, you're putting the whole thing back by a couple of years they well, say. Uh, well not, not according to the answers that I've been receiving uh, from the department, they're saying that they will uh, that they will utilise uh, for, the, for the last section of the supply uh, that uh, the ESB 
uh, just to quote the response, Michael, the ESB network may still be used by the National Broadband Ireland, where it is more effective than using an air pole and duct network, including uh, you know the, the, the references that I have made in my PQ, which is obviously you know how and what will the cost be for the last portion of it. Mm. So I, I think... And would you not need planning permission and that sort of thing? Uh, absolutely not. If the ESB poles are already in existence and uh, the ducting particularly supplied, then whatever is necessary and whatever infrastructure is there should be utilised to the full. Um, I've had a personal experience of this, Michael, but I, the, the, the uh, broadband fibre has been at the end of the road. I've put in uh, not one but two sets of ducting uh, to their dissatisfaction and I still don't have supply at a cost of a couple of thousand euro. If people coming into the office who have had to put up one and two mm. additional poles, having already subscribed uh, to a provider at a cost of 50 euro, only if you're told, we cannot supply it to you. We need uh, to get that extra distance. And that goes back to what I said earlier, people going round houses, telling people they can magic display in. And that's where my concern is. The people who are living in the rural areas across this county and others want the supply but they want it uh, they need it now it's clear that it's going to take seven years under this current plan mm. to deliver it and we need to have joined up thinking in relation so to various it, methods of getting into that. Is it wrong to continue with uh, the current plan? Is it wrong uh, to invest uh, 3 billion euro of uh, government funding? Uh, I certainly believe uh, it is like the ESB uh, network supply people criticise it when it's been put in many, many years back and that what wouldn't be productive and wouldn't be cost effective. Broadband is important as the ESB. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the jury is out on the costs. You have those who obviously are quite happy that they have their supply and they're happy in their own skin that they don't have to worry about uh, the, the rural participant. Uh, the cost of it is certainly questionable and that has already been, been done uh, in, indeed by the Secretary General of the Department and I believe it's incumbent on him to come in front of the committee Mm. and explain his rationale for saying that this well, is... Well, he, he said the further development of DKIT won't go ahead uh, as one of many examples uh, of what this will cost uh, in real terms because uh, plans under uh, the 2040 development plan will have to be scrapped in order to find this €3 billion. Euro. But uh, this is something that you're uh, willing to support up to the point of where you're not willing to uh, object and tell the government to call it all off. Uh, I know, I believe that uh, the rollout of broadband is, is, is necessary, but not at any cost. Uh, and I believe that that's where uh, Secretary General Watt needs to appear in front of uh, uh, particularly the Rockless Communication Committee uh, to outline his concerns. Uh, Michael, you just referred to uh, you know, a non-investment in, in the DKT. That was flagged clearly a number of weeks ago. It's been denied by... by uh, both the Taoiseach and indeed uh, the Minister of Responsibility in this department. And you know, we will hold them to account on that because the investment but, for needs in DKT... The Taoiseach is denying the suggestion that was made by the highest-ranking civil servant in the Department of Public Expenditure. Uh, and that's why it is very necessary for the Oireachtas Committee to examine this in, in, in its minutia and be satisfied that we can deliver it a at a cost on a cost effective basis and not to the detriment of our economy. 
Okay. Uh, just while you're with us in uh, the last minute uh, that we have before we need to go to the headlines, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Trump visit? Uh, will you support the protests? Uh, I certainly uh, won't be at a protest, uh, Michael, uh, but I certainly have serious concerns about his utterances that many people have. Uh, he's a divisive individual, uh, and uh, for me, uh, the importance uh, of the investment from America uh, in terms of our economy here is crucial, and I do think he should be welcomed with a certain dignity, even though he doesn't show that dignity to others. It's the office uh, that's uh, of presidency as opposed to the, the character of the individual uh, and while I certainly don't like that character I think uh, America uh, has been good to Ireland and indeed Ireland good to America uh, maybe and so. uh, mm. I, I think any head of state needs to be welcome What about, what about uh, the office of court. president in, in uh, this state? Uh, do you think Michael D. Higgins has overstepped his remit? Uh, not at all uh, I believe he he's a man who has always called on issues and particularly if you relate to climate change and the environment have been dear to his heart as they are to mine. And uh, I think his, his uh, bringing uh, to book uh, uh, the President of America in relation to his uh, uh, madcap opinion on climate change, uh, believe it or not, is very good. I often think that um, uh, what President Trump is doing is akin to what the Healy Rays are suggesting here in Ireland and climate change and um, not to have to worry about it, certainly do. And, uh, I mean, I think okay, uh, uh, I'm not sure the, the line seems to be dropping out, and there. Uh, I'll leave it there for the moment, but thank you indeed uh, for you. joining you, us uh, this morning. Apologies uh, to you listening at home uh, about uh, the quality of uh, the telephone line there, but our thanks to Fianna Fáil TD for Louth, Declan Brannock. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming uh, to us uh, this morning. Uh, good to have you back, Marie. What have people been saying? Well, we had an email from Jerry Floyd on Trump and he says, First off, le- allow me as an ordinary Irish citizen to extend a heartfelt personal welcome to President Trump when he visits Ireland. Of course, the usual rent crowd will be out waving their banners. That's democracy. Amusing to see Can and Corbyn both Labour calling him a fascist when their party are being investigated for anti-Semitism. President Trump is not a natural politician talking out of both sides of his mouth at the same time. He is no hypocritical Obama. Okay. Jerry. All right, thanks uh, for that, Jerry. A bit surprised uh, at uh, that email from Jerry Floyd uh, referring to anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, which I think is because of the concerns that the Labour Party has about uh, the Israeli government uh, crucifying uh, the Palestinians. Hugh from Dundalk says, love him or loathe him and he wouldn't be my favourite person, Michael, but we do have to treat the office of the President of the United States with the respect it deserves, which is why we have to welcome him here and treat him accordingly. I can understand, Mm. though, why people do feel the desire to protest. Yeah, well, a lot of people are making that point about the office as opposed mm. to the individual yes. and all of that. Uh, but the office uh, is uh, an office uh, that if somebody holds, uh, they can't be found guilty of a, a crime. So I think there's probably questions about the office of President mm. of the United States anyway. And uh, of course, it's uh, the office uh, that oversees uh, the policies of uh, the American administration. Many of them are very, very questionable, as we'll be hearing throughout the programme this morning. Grania from Dr- 
Zahada says that Donald Trump was a friend to Dunbeg long before he became President of the United States. So it's understandable that the locals there want to give him a big welcome. It's a real opportunity to put their area on the map. Yeah, a friend to coastal erosion it would seem. Jim from mm. County Lade, from County Louth even, says that it won't matter if people protest because Donald Trump pretends it's not happening, Michael. He'll put it all down to fake news. You've seen that when he was in London. Mm, yeah, there were no protests. I saw that. Yeah, he uh, was uh, very uh, amusing in uh, his own colourful little world uh, where the sky uh, is uh, of a different colour than it appears to the rest of us. He was even contradicting himself at one stage because initially he said there was no protest and then he said well I saw I did see one protest but it was only very small so Mm. in fact there was protests Uh, wonder how much the visit is costing says Sandra from Drogheda I think Ireland should have made a stand and told him where to go and not here. <laughs> okay, well, the security for the visit, uh, I think they're saying it's costing in around 10 and 11 million euro thereabouts. Uh, it'll be uh, quite uh, expensive, uh, but I, I suppose that's par for the course when it comes uh, to visits on that par. Money and the spending of money has obviously been of uh, concern to people mm. recently as well, particularly with the recount that was uh, to take place in Ireland South. Now, that was called off last night because Sinn Féin have conceded a defeat and Leah Narita is now out of of uh, the race and uh, it seems as though her votes are going to be distributed and uh, that will decide as to whether Grace O'Sullivan or Deirdre Clune will take uh, which seat. But our reporter Ross Lee, he was out and about yesterday as we heard earlier on in the programme and he was also asking people about this potential spend of a million euro and if recounts of this sort should take place. They're spending it on like a recount but I think it's just going to like if they don't spend on the recount they're going to spend on some other garbage you know. They don't. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Actually spend the money where it needs to be spent, you know? It's like that should be going to social housing or something, but no, but they probably just spend on some other nonsense government thing, you know. Just accept it, I think. Yeah, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think to just sort of accept it and get on with it. Like. I think if the money has to be spent, it'll have to be spent because if it was the other way around, would they be looking for a recount or any other party? Because you're talking about somebody getting elected for five years into the east and, and uh, People are going to fight for their seat, and rightly so. Yeah, so I think the money should be spent, yeah. Oh, it's just another fuss, isn't it? Yeah, it's just another fuss. More money spent from ridiculous 
carry on. No, they're, they're bad losers. Bad losers. Mm. All of us were. Yeah, I think it's a waste of money. I don't think we should do a recount because I don't think the money kind of weighs up when we could be putting money towards lots of other things that the country needs right now. It's like you know, like the homeless like problem, like the like uh, like the you know the housing crisis, all those kind of things. Like I know it's only one million euro, like on like a bigger scale of things, but it's a bit like just get over it and like you know get accept and get over it. Um, I don't think it's a waste of money because like a million is nothing to this country because the amount of money they waste on other things. So if you want to do it, go ahead. There's a lot of money. They're not really paying the nurses properly. The public system seems to be there for a laugh. Like, I know people that have had to go for appointments and then they're getting told a year later, oh, we never sent the letter out. So why are we wasting money when we could be putting it into the health service? All right, well, I'm sure those people will be happy to know that uh, the recount will not go ahead now as Sinn Féin has uh, accepted uh, defeat, uh, but uh, undoubtedly there was concern uh, about how it might have costed up to a million euro to carry out uh, a full recount. Let's go back to the phones this morning, though, and what people have uh, been saying. What else have you got for us there, Marie? Still, just still on Trump. Uh, Mark wants to know... Is he going to be doing a press conference, Michael? Is there going to be any chance for journalists to be asking him questions? Or is he just going to go to his hotel? <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure there'll be something uh, in Shannon uh, uh, this afternoon. Uh, after that, uh, I'm not sure. Peter O'Connell of uh, the Clare Champion saying that they hope there will be a media opportunity locally, but it hasn't been confirmed as yet. Anyway, Madeline's her blood is boiling. Madeline, mm. her blood is boiling this morning. She phoned in to say that she doesn't think we should have welcomed him here, that we should have stood up and been counted and that she doesn't agree with much, most of what he, the man says and that she thinks most people in Ireland think the same. However, apart from Bulbriggan says, just get on with it. It's only for a short time. When Obama came, everywhere was shut down for a week and not a word about it. And he wasn't creating any employment. As for President Higgins, if he is so interested in the climate, maybe he should drive up to the north instead of using the government jet, says Pat. Mm -hmm. We are listening this morning about Trump, says PJ. But what about our own minister yesterday photobombing Katie Taylor at every turn? He made a show of himself, says PJ, referring, of course, to Shane Ross at Dublin Airport. Um, Fran says, I'd rather see Donald Trump in the country than Angela Merkel. So there you go. Mm. Pat from Navin phoned in. Different topic altogether, but he's, he's... phoning in in regards to our compensation culture and feels that the Fine Gael party needs to look at itself, that there's business people struggling with insurance, trying to get insurance costs down and the government is doing nothing for us. All right. Uh, Tom from Navin got in touch just in relation to the the articles I was reading out from the papers and in particular the mm. Meat Chronicle he feels in relation to PACs and we've spoken about that Michael that councillors are too concerned about PACs in relation to Cahirlocks and mayors he feels that it shouldn't be given to the same people all the time that what is it about power when it comes to local politics really everyone should be working together for the benefit of their own particular community Mm. and he feels that everybody should be given an opportunity 
to be a Cahirlock or a mayor. He doesn't want to see the same old faces. Okay, well, I suppose uh, you get what you vote for and uh, it is uh, the result of the election in many ways. Um, Debbie phoned in and Debbie wants to know when will Kevin Callan be naming who is going to be taking his seat? She says that she lives in the rural area affected and feels that people in that area have a right to know who is going to be representing them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm sure we will find out sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. There has to be a council meeting soon, hasn't well, there? Well, indeed, yeah. Just on broadband then, finally, uh, we had a phone call from John who fears that we are never going to sort out broadband in Ireland, lives in a rural part of Meath and says that... Uh, his, the broadband there is absolutely terrible and he really does he really fears for the worst that there's mm-hmm. never going to be anything happening yeah. have we time for mm-hmm. one or two more because okay, I've just ahead, been handed yeah. mm-hmm. another one uh, John and Navin heard our interview with Father Peter McFerry the other day discussing homelessness and he says the recent local elections are proof that the ordinary person doesn't worry about the provision of social housing the results showed an increase in support for Fine Gael and yep. Fianna Fáil and it's plain to see that the provision of housing is not a priority for them. And we'll go back to Trump's visit for a moment. Martin from RD rang about the criticism of Trump's visit to Ireland. He says it makes him very sad to be Irish today to see to hear how Mr Trump is being vilified. He's the only president to, since JFK who is actually doing what he said he would do and people don't like that, says Martin. Okay. We'll finish on that one. Thanks for that, Martin. Uh, we have been uh, reading some of uh, the letters that were published in uh, the Irish Examiner yesterday in advance of uh, Mr Trump's visit uh, to uh, this country. And we'll read another one for you now from Extinction Rebellion. Dear Mr President, since you've become president, you've rolled back environmental regulations, pulled the United States out of the Paris Climate Accord and tweeted that climate change is a hoax. Meanwhile, you sought to build a seawall to protect your golf course in Ireland with a planning application citing global warming, predicted sea level rise and more frequent storm events. You have one message for yourself and another for the people you were supposed to lead. Meanwhile, the effects of climate breakdown are killing the very people you have a duty to protect. Like last November when a fire raced into Northern California town of Paradise with the loss of 85 lives. In the USA, Extinction Rebellion protesters have already blockaded the Brooklyn Bridge, closed the entrance to San Francisco City Hall and occupied iconic sites in Los Angeles. Extinction Rebellion demands that your administration tells the truth about the climate and ecological crisis and reverse its policies. Otherwise, a sustained campaign of civil disobedience targeting your administration will be the result. As I say, that's from Extinction Rebellion, which is holding a stand-up to Trump protest tomorrow evening at 6 o'clock at the Spar in O'Connell Street in Dublin. And that's one of the letters published in the Irish Examiner yesterday. We'll hear some more before we finish up today as well. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, I'll just read you one more of uh, these letters uh, that were published in uh, the Irish Examiner in advance of uh, the Trump visit today. It says, Dear Mr. President, as President, you have approved the use of torture. You and your government continue to wage unjustified wars of aggression and breach of the UN Charter. You are waging economic war on the people of Venezuela. You have personally approved US Special Forces 
attacks and targeted assassinations in Yemen, Somalia, Afghanistan, Syria and elsewhere in breach of international and national laws. You and your government have supported the Israeli government in its persecution of uh, the Palestinian people and recognised the illegal Israeli annexation of uh, the Syrian Golan Heights. Your policies and actions are destroying our living environment and causing catastrophic climate change. You have supported the Saudi Arabian government in its genocidal war against the people of Yemen, causing the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Yemeni people, including tens of thousands of children who are being starved to death. This latter war crime is especially offensive to the people of Ireland who suffered a similar similar genocidal famine in the past. For all these reasons and their pursuit of Julian Assange, you are not welcome in Ireland. That's signed by Claire Daly, TD, an independence for change TD, and of course recently elected MEP in the Dublin constituency. And Claire Daly joins us now. And a very good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Congratulations before we talk about Donald Trump uh, on uh, your recent victory in the European elections. And uh, very much, uh, I'm sure uh, we'll be hearing a lot from you in Brussels uh, over the coming years. Uh, but uh, you didn't mince your words uh, in terms of uh, describing American foreign policy or how that's overseen by Donald Trump. But what's the difference between Donald Trump and Obama or, or George W. for that matter? Very little. And I'm very glad you started with that because I find a lot of the coverage of the Trump uh, visit to be very contradictory that we have all these people coming out of retirement to give out about Donald Trump because he is such a boorish, vulgar individual. Obviously, it's quite easy. Uh, Those people had nothing to say about Obama. They had nothing to say about Bush. And in actual fact, in reality, the policies as I outlined in that letter are that Trump is... Mm. Uh, implementing are a continuation precisely of what Obama was doing in terms of the assassinations, in terms of the wars and, and Bush before him. So, look, at, uh, he, I suppose there's a contradiction here, isn't there? I mean, mm. it's, it's easy to give out about Trump. It's, it's nearly popular and sort of cool to do it like, you know, mm. uh, and the people who are doing it uh, were silent before. So I actually don't see a huge difference. I see a, a vulgar and a more, you know, rude version of the same international policies but take off the gloss the 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 content is the same the Mm. wars are the same the intervention around the world is the same and the blowback then in terms of the people who are being driven from their homes the you know rise of refugees the rise of terrorism and all of that come from from that same situation Uh, i'm sure many of us uh, stopped for a moment and reflected yesterday uh, on what happened 30 years ago and uh, the reporting of people like Kate Aidy and John Simpson uh, from Tiananmen Square uh, and uh, the terrible, terrible genocide that took place there uh, and felt that perhaps it was somewhat ironic to hear Mike Pence calling on the Chinese authorities to outline how many people had died. Of course, that would be important in itself. Uh, And of course, it was a a terrible, unforgivable tragedy or act of of aggression, whichever way you want to put it. Uh, But uh, do we know how many lives have been lost, innocent lives have been lost uh, because of attacks on innocent Iraqi people, for example? Well, exactly. And we know a million Iraqi people lost their lives as a result of the uh, sanctions 
We have sanctions now ongoing in Iran, being absolutely ratcheted up by the uh, American government against the interests of a lot of European countries. It's an issue we've raised a lot in the Dáil, even in terms of, say, assisting our agricultural section. The Iranians want to do business. It's a huge market. And we can't get in, in part because we're bending the knee to the US. We see it now in Venezuela, where we've made a visit there, uh, it seems so long ago now, with the European elections Mm. interfering with everything. But earlier this year, um, we made a trip to Venezuela to see for ourselves the situation on the ground. And there's no doubt about it, the elected government there Mm. of Venezuela is being consistently undermined by US sanctions and their inability to trade and use the oil resources that they have to um, provide for, for the people of that country and it's beginning to bite now in terms of, of lives. And that why why, why do people in this country not realise that? I mean close to 7 million people elected Nicolas Maduro. Uh, Juan Guaido didn't stand for election <laughs> uh, but a, 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 every night on RTE we're watching uh, people up in Donnybrook read what some American reporter has written for them, telling us that he, he's the rightful leader of Venezuela. Oh, it's incredible. He wouldn't even participate. And I mean, don't get me wrong, there were a number of opposition groups who participated in the election. It was very well supported. The turnout was way better than an Irish mm. election. Take note. Uh, millions of people uh, voted for Approved him. by the Jimmy Carter Foundation? You know, self, yeah, this self-appointed, like, puppet man, really trained by the CIA... A uh, very posh boy from East Caracas comes back on the scene and says, you know what, I think I'll be president. And Donald says, yeah, go ahead, you make that call, uh, Juan, and I'll support mm. you. But, I mean, that would be laughable, except the consequences are so serious. Now he's ratcheting it up on, in terms of Cuba, because Cuba mm. have said, hang on a minute, you can't be interfering here. Interestingly now, at least Brazil which is actually a right-wing and, you know, military-dominated government, they actually have failed to bend the knee to the U.S. on this. But in terms of the living conditions of Venezuelans, I mean, it's, life is very, very hard under the sanction. Now, they are prepared to defend their government. It's not that everybody loves Maduro or thinks he's mm. great, no more than they think Fradker's great here. Mm. But they're damned if they're going to have a foreign country coming in, particularly with the history of bloodshed around all of Latin America and South America, largely led by... American imperialism. And in that context, I mean, you're absolutely right. The comments of the Americans looking for the Chinese to account for their bloodshed against their people is a bit rich considering uh, what, you know, American imperialism has done around the world. And, you know, they're still recovering. And all of that was to make the world safe for oil. And there's a tie-in, obviously, then with our our issues in terms of uh, climate change, because we know fossil fuels have to really remain in the ground in order for the benefit of humanity and the planet and yet a lot of these wars are waged expending massive amounts of of money and unfortunately the new European Parliament is moving much more in that direction of an EU army but the resources are being expended and some of the wars are being done for taking fossil fuels out of the ground which shouldn't be taken out and you have the added contradiction of climate change and that so there's a lot of very serious uh, stuff going on there. But I mean, as you said, you know, the way the media portray this is a huge part in the narrative because mm. be it Venezuela or anywhere you read that and you think, you know, you repeat something often enough, people tend to believe it. But like Juan Guaido has precious little support in uh, Venezuela. That's not to say that everybody loves Maduro, but there's certainly mm. one thing we were sure of. Nobody likes Guaido. Uh, whatever about the problems the government in Venezuela might have, but if you listen to RTE or read most of the newspapers here, you wouldn't you wouldn't get that impression at all. What uh, 
action will you be taking uh, to coincide with this visit, if any? Well, I'm, I'm on my way down to Shannon later on. Yep. Uh, Shannon Watch have organised a peace camp over a number of days. I mean, you know, at, at Doombeg and... Uh, mm. You're not going to get arrested again, are you? <laughs> uh, not today, probably, because no. we're trying to make a trip over to Brussels and see the light land there, but yeah. I fully intend to come back again and do another examination mm. of Shannon Airport, probably sooner rather than later, because it's a simple reality that hundreds of troops are transiting through there mm. every single day and we claim we're a neutral country and we've seen we followed the trajectory of the flights we know where they're going a mm. lot of the time they're going uh, to Djibouti to the areas whereby the bases uh, which are used in the appalling war in in Yemen which is one of the greatest humanitarian crises of our day with as I said in that letter mm. you know people literally starving from famine it's it's appalling and it's only continuing because of the US support for and the- I, I started off by asking you about about Trump versus Obama or Bush, as the case may be. Uh, but what about America versus Ireland? Uh, are we not somewhat hypocritical if we're to criticise American foreign policy and we facilitate it in Shannon? Are we not hypocritical to uh, criticise American tax policy if we facilitate it here, as Michael D. Higgins has been pointing out, yeah. uh, uh, or indeed climate change uh, when we're supposedly laggards ourselves? Exactly. No, no, I totally agree. Mm. And that would be hypocritical, but obviously I have supported mm. and opposed vociferously Ireland's breaches of its neutrality and facilitating of the US uh, regime. I have vociferously mm. argued against our uh, tax avoidance policies, uh, you know, and that their our days are numbered on that one now uh, with European developments there. And uh, again, in terms of climate change, we looked at the legislation that was going through the, the houses here and said it was going to be pathetic. We weren't going to reach targets. We tabled 38 amendments to it. They were defeated and we got an appalling piece of legislation and appalling policy. So you're absolutely right. And I find it a bit sickening to hear, listen to people from the Labour Party and the Green Party who were in government and implemented these policies which we they are now criticising the US regime for doing when they were in government here at home and implemented the exact same thing But so I agree with you that it would be hypocritical but I'm not guilty but I honestly <laughs> think they are <laughs> If you're the one who might end up arrested though <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time yeah, um, <laughs> Listen thanks very much for joining us Claire Daly and uh, congratulations uh, once again on your election uh, and that's uh, Claire Daly Independence for Change TD and recently elected MEP for the Dublin constituency. Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, as you've been hearing on LMFM's news, Sinn Féin councillor in Louth, Joanna Byrne, has asked the council to look at if a provider of emergency accommodation is moving people into privately rented property. Uh, Joanna Byrne joins us now, and a very good morning to you, and uh, thanks uh, for taking the time to be with us. Uh, can you give us the detail of this? I have the gist of what's happening, but uh, what people go to the council, I gather, in the first instance, and declare themselves homeless, is it? Good morning, Mike. Yeah, um, we, we have a homeless clinic that operates twice a week and draw it on and rotates on, on different days down to County Hall and Dundalk. But effectively, somebody comes and presents as homeless. Um, they'll work with the homeless liaison mm. team and generally, most times, em- emergency accommodation is sought. They're given permission to go and look for a B&B or a hotel, hotel and or something like that, the yeah. council mm-hmm. puts the bill for it, mm-hmm. which is very hard to find, might I add, which is why I was weary about raising this initially, because I wouldn't like to cut the ties with anybody who is providing this accommodation to yeah. people that are, you know. 
But initially, 18 months ago, I first came across this, um, a lady I was dealing with was in emergency accommodation in, in a place in the town. And this place had actually moved her out to another property that she was sharing with three other people, three other men. And she was feeling a little intimidated. And this is why she came to me. So when I was, was looking into it, I was like, you're supposed to be in place A and you're in mm. place B. And it transpired that this landlord had moved all the emergency accommodation people out into another property she owned so her own B&B couldn't carry on. That's fine, that's mm. fair enough. As long as the council was aware of it, which they weren't at the time. Yeah. Subsequent to that, um, I called for emergency accommodation spot checks to be implemented and they are carried out by the, by the council and fairness to them and we get a report on them on a monthly basis. But over the last week or two, I think it was just the week before the elections, um, this was brought to my attention again by somebody else and unconnected with the the previous situation and it turns out according to this source that the same thing is happening again with the same landlord but this time into privately rented accommodation now my fear with this first of all is were the council aware of it which the director of services has assured me that Mm. they weren't and second of all if these are privately rented properties this is manipulating the rental market and taking these properties off the market that some of these families could be privately renting with, with the aid of HAP or whatnot themselves. But why is the landlord doing this? Is the landlord <clears throat> making more money because they're oh. doing this? Is it that they're moving people uh, out of the B&B, let's say, uh, where you can command a, a, a certain price to rent it out, uh, moving them into substandard conditions? Uh, because I got the impression from what you were saying about that lady, uh, that people were crammed yeah. into a place yeah. uh, and yeah. that it was not appropriate accommodation. <laughs> but they were still getting top dollar for it. Yeah, well, you see, and then that leaves the B&B open to the general use of the B&B. Yeah. So, mm. you know, there's a, there's a few areas of concern here. My first area of concern is, is the well-being of the people. They're in a vulnerable, vulnerable position enough as it is, facing homelessness without this. The council is then paying out money to provide this accommodation and they don't know where these people are, first of all. And then, as you said, if they're in properties that they don't know where they are, they don't know the standard of that property and they don't know how well these people are being catered for. So there's a few areas of concern. Um, I was very happy with the response from the council when I did raise it. The Director of Services, Paddy Donnelly, Mm. assured me that they wouldn't stand over this and they wouldn't condone this and that they would look into it with me. So I'm delighted to be back um, in the council. It's only the first week of the new council term, and it is something I intend on following up closely with the Director of Services and ensuring that this is stopped immediately and is not allowed to continue to happen going forward. Right. Uh, And you've been able to... Uh, identify uh, one person who has done this on a, a couple of occasions. One landlord, yeah. one yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. So, so when the council says they will act on it, uh, does that mean that they'll stop using that person for or, or, or their facilities for emergency it, accommodation? It didn't the last time that I brought it because of the capacity of people that needed the emergency accommodation and they just didn't have al- alternative sources, and that was my fear mm. in, in raising this a second time. Is that I know that the capacity is needed. I'm very vocal on this issue and constantly in neck and neck with the council on on our level of homelessness in this town. So it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that's close mm. to my heart. And I did not want to be responsible for removing a service 
out of that that remit. That but you're, you're into that realm of, of suggesting it's right to do the wrong thing, uh, or how do you it's, prevent it? It's catch twenty two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. but but I certainly um, look. That's that's for the council to decide on whether mm. they could continue allowing this person to provide emergency accommodation. But they, there needs to be serious you know, instructions mm. given here. It's so is it that the council will do spot checks on the emergency accommodation to make sure that whoever is meant to be there is actually there? Yeah, they need to They need to be upped. They are being carried out mm. um, since the last time, and, and this was at my request, but these need to be increased. And the problem you're coming back to here, here then is the resources to be able to do that and mm. to be able to manage that. But it, it's, it's a very serious situation, and it's putting very vulnerable people in in more vulnerable scenarios and, and, and I don't like it and it's something I, I'm, I'm going to be extremely mm. on top of, you know, it, it's it's just not acceptable. It's actually scandalous if, if, if we're being straight, you know, and I, I won't be standing over it. Well, what else is there to say about it? Because uh, there are rules and regulations, aren't there? Uh, I mean... Oh, of course it, there is, of course yeah, there is. And it, this is in breach of all of them, you mm, know. If, well, it, if, you're providing, if you're providing rented accommodation, you have to register with the PRTB, don't exactly, you, first of all? Exactly, yeah, you do indeed. And then even at that, if the council is assisting with housing mm-hmm. payments to... to to allow people to be able to afford these properties, there is a series of checks and inspections that that's standard with that as well. Mm. Um, but these obviously aren't being carried out on these properties because the council don't know that the people are in them. And you should be registered, so you're in of breach. Course. Yeah. No, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't know mm. the ins and outs of whether the said person involved is registered with mm. these other properties, but certainly not registered with the council for using them for emergency accommodation purposes. Mm. But when you're talking about uh, standards of accommodation and the size of the accommodation if uh, it's appropriate in terms of the number of bedrooms and how of that course, breaks down between men and women and that sort of thing well then but before you get into ventilation and that uh, I mean uh, it, was that woman asked to share a bedroom with a man for example no no no, no right, it wasn't okay. it was that previous mm. one was just that it was one lady and three men and right. there was other mm. circumstances going on. But no, there was nothing untoward in that respect. Mm. And this one isn't either. This is actually a family that I am aware of just put into a house on their own. Mm. But my concern was that the council didn't know where they were. The council is paying for them to be in emergency accommodation in a different place. And from what I was told at the time, that this isn't the only property mm. that this person is subletting out people from emergency accommodation into. So there's serious questions needs to be asked. A serious investigation has to be looked into here. And, and you know, a report needs to be brought back to us uh, as public representatives of exactly where our homeless people are being put and that the council is accountable for where they are mm. at all times. It's uh, mad, though, isn't it? Uh, I mean, that the... Council has been forced into a situation where it has to accept what it would normally regard to be an unacceptable situation. Exactly, yeah. It's frightening and it doesn't give hope to anybody who is out there who may be facing homelessness and it's, 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 it's something that's very probably downgrading in their mentality at the best of times. But to be thinking then, oh, if I go and present as homeless, where exactly am I going to be put? You know, what standards, what conditions and stuff like that. And then if you're put into a position and then maybe this landlord might be asking you not to declare to the council that they're moving you out here, there and everywhere. It just brings a whole load of mm. emotional stress and anxiety onto people who are already facing enough. And these are people we should be looking after and, and, and not making things a hard enough situation much worse for them.
Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you indeed uh, for Thank joining you. us this morning. That's uh, Sinn Féin councillor in Louth, Joanna Byrne. Now, let's uh, go back uh, to uh, the letters uh, that the Irish Examiner published in advance of uh, the presidential visit. One now from uh, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. It says, Dear Mr President, at the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, we believe in human rights and dignity. We work hard every day to protect fundamental rights and we oppose anything that impinges on those rights. This includes racism, misogyny, trans and homophobia, climate change denial, corporate malfiance, uh, police brutality and all forms of uh, discrimination. Many of your policies attack and violate human rights both in the USA and in the international sphere. Your withdrawal from the UN Human Rights Council, your denial of climate change uh, change, and your refusal to cooperate with international human rights bodies endangers all of our fundamental rights. That is why we are exercising our own fundamental right to protest your visit to Ireland. We are proud to stand alongside ACLU, our sister organisation, in opposing your dangerous and damaging policies and in standing up for fairness, equality and respect. We will continue to vigilantly oppose the rise of authoritarianism and the politics of hate, both at home and abroad. And long after you've left office, we'll still be here promoting rights and defending dignity because our rights trump your hate. As I say, that's uh, the letter that was published in the Irish Examiner on behalf of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Michael Reed on LMFM. There's uh, some interesting research I was reading about in uh, the Irish Independent uh, this morning on climate change. It's uh, from Melbourne's Breakthrough National Centre for Climate Restoration and uh, it talks about global emissions peaking in 2030 and uh, they say that there is a threat to humanity as a result of that. But they say that a doomsday future is not inevitable if we do take action. If we don't, they talk about global temperatures reaching three degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels by 2050. This would result in a hothouse earth, sea ice would melt and uh, that there would be an Amazon drought. There would be monsoons in Asia and West Africa and uh, that warming of 4 degrees Celsius is incompatible with an organised global community. It's another way of saying that there's a real possibility that human life on Earth may be on the way to extinction in the most horrible way. They're talking about a scarcity of food and water as a result of some of uh, these changes in the atmosphere that we live in. Let's talk about this with Catherine Devitt, who's head of policy for the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition. Good morning to you, Catherine, and thanks for joining us. Uh, Is there any merit in what they're saying, or is it just a, a little bit like the Ice Age, that it may undo itself and uh, come right in time, as Donald Trump might suggest? No, absolutely not. I mean, like the the, consent, the scientific consensus is there and it's overwhelming and the evidence is already there as well that this, if we don't uh, undertake radical change over the next uh, short uh, couple of decades, that we are on the path to uh, a very uh, warm planet that's not compatible with, not just with human life, but with also the the the, the ecosystems and so on that we're all very familiar with and that we actually depend on for food and so on. But um, what so if you're wrong? What, 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 what if 
it was to write itself as such. Uh, Would the president be wrong to risk uh, the value of fossil fuels and the trillions of dollars that that industry would be worth to the American economy? Um, I don't think that there's, uh, I suppose the evidence is there. We're seeing it from uh, Arctic uh, temperatures at the moment. We're seeing it in terms of the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And we're also seeing it in terms of some of the poorest regions in the world being hit by uh, increased storm activity, changing storm patterns. Uh, We saw it here last year in terms of a a prolonged period of drought. Uh, So the records are there. Uh, We know that I think 2018 was the fourth warmest uh, year on record. Uh, so the the evidence is strong and the, the, the call to action is, is also growing. We saw it in our local and European mm. elections there recently. Um, so there's no room for complacency and there's no room really for debating whether or not climate change is, is real and whether or not it's, it's man-made. Your point is there's no point in making America great if it's at the end of the world as we know it. Um, making America great really requires that uh, America joins the rest of the international community in accepting the climate challenge and in, in working with the rest of the international community in uh, shifting away from a fossil fuel based economy mm. and moving to a low carbon, low carbon economy. Well, that's the point Michael D. Higgins, our president, has been making, I think, to the American president. Uh, I'm sure you welcome what uh, President Higgins had to say yesterday. Yes, I mean, like, I suppose we all, we all know that President Higgins has quite strong, valid views on the environment and on climate change. And I think it's important to say that in his speech in the ODS yesterday that he, you know, he, he didn't necessarily take a personal attack. He didn't specifically mention President Trump, but he did uh, call out and urge uh, that the USA reconsider its a decision to leave the the global Paris Agreement, which countries like Ireland and I think uh, over a hundred mm. other countries across the world have actually ratified and signed up to. He called on, on leaders uh, to urge the USA in the strongest possible terms to reconsider its regressive and pernicious decision to leave uh, the global Paris uh, Agreement. Uh, this comes back uh, to uh, the cost of staying in it, as Donald Trump would see it. Yeah, so Donald Donald uh, Trump would see it as as, as being a cost, um, but I mean the reality is that climate change is already costing the states. Uh, you know, a, a number of cities, for example, along the uh, eastern seaboard were, were hit by quite severe hurricanes last year. Um, so there's already a cost by not doing anything, and that cost is just going to. Uh, amplify and increase in the decades to come. So the reality is that, you know, uh, coal is going to run out at some point anyway. Oil is going to run out. These are not uh, renewable sources. And it makes sense. It makes economic sense to shift to uh, renewable sources of energy. Do you welcome the opportunity to try and make that message heard by President Trump? Um, I think um, I, I think that's the, the, the direction that, that he needs to go. And um, I mean, certainly I saw there recently that uh, Joe Biden announced his climate plan, uh, I think it was yesterday. So it seems that climate will be a key issue in the in the next uh, uh, ele- uh, presidential elections in the U.S. 
Um, but I think it's important that it seems that our own Taoiseach here, uh, who's meeting President Trump today, will not be raising uh, the, the climate issue. And I suppose that's an unfortunate missed opportunity, especially given President Higgins' uh, call for countries, for European countries, to urge the US uh, to reconsider its its decision to leave the Paris uh, Climate Accord. Mm. Uh, if he was to raise it, uh, do you think uh, Mr. Trump would be justified in saying, uh, why is the pot calling uh, my kettle black? <laughs> there's certainly, you know, there's certainly some uh, validity in that. I mean, like Ireland, we don't have the strongest record on climate change. And, um, you know, certainly the, the, the U.S., has a huge responsibility on the international stage, but Ireland also has a huge responsibility on the international stage in taking its climate commitments uh, more uh, seriously than it has done to date. Um, And maybe that's why our Taoiseach is not raising Mm. the issue of climate change uh, with, with the president when he's meeting him today. Will you be protesting? Uh, I'm currently sitting here in in my office in Dublin, so I won't be protesting, but um, this is the the second interview that I've done today for radio. So certainly we'll be be, uh, adding to any kind of media conversation um, and certainly highlighting that, uh, you know, President Higgins certainly has a very valid point to make when he does say that that EU countries uh, have, have a responsibility to to urge the US to um, increase their ambition and certainly take their climate uh, responsibilities a lot more seriously. Okay, we'll leave it there for the moment. Catherine, thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Catherine Devitt is Head of Policy for the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition. Now, as I said earlier on, there's been buckets of rain in the last 24 hours, uh, but you may be interested to know that the Donegal postman, or the former postman, Michael Gallagher, uh, who's been accurately predicting uh, the weather in recent years, has said to the Sun newspaper today, not to be putting the sun cream away just yet. He says uh, that we had a a very, very dry month of spring. So, of course, everything was dried up and grass was burnt. So nature started to use its power. And then we got a lot of rain, which is explaining why we're getting so much rain. But he said that he was on the mountains on Sunday, on the Bluestack Mountains. And uh, for the first time in a long time, Uh, maybe about four years, it seemed very, very cold. One of the coldest days ever he experienced on the mountains. And he says that the old people always said that that was a great sign that the summer would be good. Uh, He says summer's not over and things are are looking up. Uh, It was like winter and the old people uh, have always looked at cold spells with hailstones and thunder that there's a sign of something good and he says he sees that there's a change on the way. So perhaps uh, some good news uh, there in relation uh, to the weather of uh, the last couple of days. Now before we go today, let's uh, go back to the uh, paper, the Irish Examiner, and some of those letters in advance of uh, the Trump visit. Uh, One here from Tara Flynn, uh, an actress, comedian and writer that says, Dear Mr. President, welcome to Ireland. That's what we're supposed to say. Not that I'll be out to meet you. No, I'd be fine if you stayed away. Prefer it even. But Ireland is, by its nature, a welcoming place. That's what's on the postcards and the TV ads with the cliffs in them. Anyway, you'd know you bought one of them, a cliff that is, or something. In Ireland, we welcome everyone. That's the idea. There's something called direct provision we need to work on. 
on, but mostly we tell cruelty where to go. It held us in its grip a long, long time ago, dressed up as something else, but you're the US president now, so fine, come, that dealmakers ignore your losses and lies to lay in puddles and let you step over them, breaking their backs to keep your shoes dry. It rains a lot in Ireland, can ruin a good shoe. That's the final word on the programme today from Tara Flynn. And God willing, we'll see you for our our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.